The rain in Spain stays mainly in the plain. I can't! I'm so tired! I'm so tired! For God's sake, Higgins, it must be three o'clock in the morning. Do be reasonable. I am always reasonable. Eliza, if I can go on with a blistering headache, you can. I've got an headache too. Oh, here. I know your headaches. I know you're tired. I know your nerves are as raw as meat in a butcher's window. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. We took a little break, and that's okay. You know, summertime. Summertime. Summer vacation. Summer vacation. But we're back with some <laughs> hot girl summer shit. Uh, it's Pygmalion by Bernard Shaw um, of, and the movie adaptation 1964, My Fair Lady. We did a musical this time, y'all. Um, it is the story of a, um, hmm, a Victorian florist uh not even a florist, uh, a flower girl uh, selling on the streets. Uh, she meets a linguist uh, and an etymologist that uh, decides to take her in and tr- uh, as sort of like a challenge bet, transform her uh, with manners and lessons uh, to raise her up and make her into a proper lady and then it's a makeover scene y'all it's a makeover scene i love it um yeah and uh you know and then the complicated feelings and relationship nonsense that follows and like what is responsibility who knows um so uh yeah that's our story today uh we've got ash on uh the actual literature portion um uh, we are absent our Jude today, uh, and that is okay, because I'm going to be covering it, because it's a musical, and it's, yeah, so, it's a musical. Um, it, it fits neatly in the uh, in the genre of uh, Victorian literature that Elisa likes. So. Ab- absolutely. Uh, it is uh, it is my bread and butter. Um, so, uh, so, that's what we'll be doing today. That's what's up. Um, so, normally, we start off with a movie, uh, so I guess I'll just roll up. Um, hello. Yes, uh, we're going to be talking about My Fair Lady. Uh, this, this dang old movie, this dang old movie. I like. Is there a single person that doesn't actually like this musical, like this movie, this musical? Uh, I feel like it's ingrained enough into uh, the social kind of zeitgeist that uh, it, it's kind of unavoidable. I don't know. You go to you go to a karaoke bar, um, like at any point and i'm sure somebody will be singing uh like staying alive uh it's raining men and i could have danced all night um uh, so it's it's there it's pretty great um uh the movie itself is kind of cool um uh the director uh, ha- had not actually done a whole lot of musicals um and actually the producer um a lot of the story or like uh nonsense around this is uh that it was a stage play first, written by Bernard Shaw in 1912. Um, it became a popular a popular Broadway production uh, with Rex Harrison and Julie Andrews. Um, and then they decided to do an adaptation because that's uh, kind of a lot of what they were doing at the time is uh, taking Broadway or plays specifically uh, and adapting them. That's what would the uh, that's what the bon mode was uh, for Hollywood in the 60s. Um, 
uh, at least for the fluffy stuff. Um, but yeah, so, and then uh, they decided to put this on. Um, but so the producer, uh, a Jack Weiler, uh, he was a very, he had some interesting ideas on things. Um, he decided uh, to offer the role of Henry Higgins to Cary Grant, um, who was a little bit older for the role, but, um, you know, would have been cool. Uh, but he. Wait, Henry Higgins is already like, pretty he's, he's like 20 years older than liza so yeah. i would have been okay with carrie grant yeah right like uh 60s carrie grant was like um you know very very tan uh like he's got some he's got some lines he's got some wrinkles he's got that silver fox thing going on it would have worked it would have worked but um his response to that was uh if you don't get Rex Harrison in. I'm not even going to go see the movie. Not even going to go to the <laughs> pictures, darling. Um, also, uh, he is quoted as saying that uh, his original uh, speech pattern was m closer to Eliza than Henry Higgins. So he was like, <laughs> he's like, nah, I'm not going to do it. Uh, he's like, I, can't, I cannot relate to this character. I, I'm too high, Seb. I can't. Yeah. Uh, also, like, uh, man, I, it kind of, like, as I read that, I was like, I want to, I kind of want to gender bet my fair lady now. Um, but uh, regardless, uh, so it's uh, so they did that. You got Lady Lady Demaskew or the the Resident Evil Lady. Oh, <laughs> oh too much, too much. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> oh my god. Um, yeah, if y'all haven't seen the art for this character, please look it up. Dear God. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so um, uh, but uh, he dis, uh, this producer uh, decided to also cast uh, Audrey Hepburn as the role uh rather than julie andrews and this was like julie andrews before uh the sound of music and it was so um she just wasn't as well known so uh they were like oh yeah no nobody's gonna go see it if we don't have audrey hepburn or somebody bigger like that and audrey was so excited because she well at first she was like this is bullshit like this is bullshit but i kind of can't like uh i i can't pass this up so she was gonna go do it uh and she like went through voice training she did all this stuff to be able to like sing and do it and they dubbed her over they dubbed her over That's and she bullshit. and she was like what the f i wouldn't have taken this goddamn role um but uh it was really funny because like she did uh she did the uh or, like some of her scenes and uh and they told her that they were going to dub her over and she like threw a kind of a fit about it. She was like, how dare you? And then uh, she walked out and then she comes back in like two hours later or something. And in very like Audrey, like prim uh, fashion and is like, I apologize for my wicked behavior. Uh, and so uh, she was like, I'm going to handle this with grace, but this is bullshit. Um, but uh, the one they got to actually dub her was the one that played one of the nuns in um, Sound of Music. Uh, she was the one with the glasses, the really cute one. Um, yeah, uh, like her voice is amazing. And actually, Audrey's wasn't that bad either. Like it was very like, doo -doo -doo -doo, you know, it was just a lower, like lower tone. Um, but but they wanted the very like, oh, um, thank you. No one in the more, more full, like, operatic. Yeah, yeah. Um, in, yeah. Instead of kind of the wispy, untrained. Yes, exactly. Which sound, is, which is unfortunate because I think, like, that would have worked for Liza. I mean, I think Audrey's a great choice for Liza. Mm -hmm. uh, she does kind of have, like, she is prim and proper, but she does kind of have this kind of bratty undercurrent. Mm-hmm. 
which is perfect for the character. Um, the character is an unpolished, unfinished sort of character. So I think having that present in her vocal performance, especially in the movie, mm-hmm. uh, would have been fine. I mean, look, they let Walter Matthau sing in Hello, Dolly. <laughs> So I don't don't see any problems here. Exactly. Like they let Rex Harrison just like quasi speak (laughs) through all of his bullshit. But it's like like Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, he was like, Oh, and take it by the top. Uh, but yeah, um anyway, anyway. Uh but it's um yeah, so and actually Rex Harrison was like I no, damn it! Like she's uh, 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 Julie Andrews would have been a lot better because uh, Eliza's supposed to feel out of place. Like this is, she's supposed to be uncomfortable in European ballrooms, and that is uh, it, Audrey Hepburn has barely spent a day outside of uh, uh, European <laughs> ballrooms, so uh, he, he was maybe not as happy with it. But uh, like once they started rolling, they got really into it. Um, also. A funny bit of trivia besides all the other funny bit of trivia I've presented thus far. Um, Rex Harrison was quitting smoking at the time and Audrey was on like two packs a day. Uh, so there was there was a bit of a uh, bit of snipiness between the two of them there. Uh, but- well, especially like especially if she's trying to do a vocal performance and maybe not succeeding uh, the cigarette. Two packs a day is certainly not going to help that. You know, I don't think they thought of that at the time you know i don't think it occurred um it was just like yeah yeah was, that helps it creates yeah my, my voice isn't getting any better rexy darling i could have danced all night sorry i can't okay all right. <laughs> we're gonna drop this now this bro- one of us actually smokes cigarettes <laughs> uh, you'll never know um so uh but yeah, so uh, they did it. Uh, the film itself is cool. Like, I dig it. Because, um, like, uh, between the, the film and this, like, you get more of, like, the uh, the growing of it, you know? Because the stage play is pretty short. and Right. Well, I mean, it literally, like, will skip months at a time. Yeah. And then you'll just have a bunch of dialogue, like, Here's what happened off screen mm-hmm. while, while, we, while we weren't on stage. Exactly. You don't get the rain in Spain stays mainly on the plane. Uh, like, you don't get that, um, except in the movie, uh, which, I don't know, which I kind of like the movie more for that because it, it builds their chemistry and their relationship. So, like, by the time you get to the end when they're having this, like, big conversation about, like, what they mean to each other, it's like, oh, okay, yeah. I mean, I can see where she's coming from. I get why there's an attachment there, even though he's, like, this weird fucking uh, rude daddy figure. And it's, uh, you know, um, but but it makes more sense in the movie, uh, I think. Um, and I don't know. Like, you also get more of, like, Freddy, uh, which is nice because he's actually, if you think about it, he's he's not a bad dude. He's He's just dumb. He's just a cute, dumb, you know, second male lead syndrome where it's like you are otherwise a very, like, on paper perfect person, uh, like, that would fit. It's just you're not, you don't have that, that problematic thing that makes the main character want you, even though she probably shouldn't, you know? Um, what is that? Well, as a, as, a, as a adamant hero villain shipper, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. have never read any YA that falls into those tropes. I, what the fuck is that? Like exactly. What, <laughs> what is that? Uh, yeah. Uh, is it, but he's definitely kind of a, he's a bit of a, he's a bit of a, 
he's just he's shy. He doesn't have a lot of backbone. Right. I wouldn't even call him a himbo. He's just kind of he is a, he's a nice boy. He is a nice boy, but he likes her from the beginning. Like he likes her. Yeah, literally from she's the beginning. Flower girl, right? He still respects her exactly. Well, that's okay. Well, I'll save that thought. Yes. Uh. Um, yeah. Uh. But like, even uh, okay. So she goes over to. Um, oh yeah, she does the. Uh. In the in the movie, it's the horse race. Like she goes to the horse race and she's wearing that fucking killer dress. Uh. That's like I. Goddamn the costumes in this movie. Um. Uh, but I want them. Uh. But anyway, so she's wearing that dress and like she's real nervous and she's trying and uh. They go up to um his family, his mom and sister, and uh. She, they're doing the horse race. And, oh, fucking get it, bloody hell! Uh, and then she starts talking about how her um, her aunt had, like, she suspects her aunt of being murdered. I love that bit. It's so funny. I love that bit so much. It's, uh, it's it made insane. me laugh so hard. <laughs> Someone pinched it because uh, like she sounds like a robot it's very strange because like she sounds like one of those ai uh that are like being trained to talk to themselves and it's just it's very like formal and awkward and they're saying very nonsensical kind of disturbing things and um and she's like ah ha ha i'm past yes this is exactly what i should be saying um but i don't know um i also feel like the movie was a lot less like dismissive of Eliza in the beginning. Like, I don't, like she has that whole song where she's talking about murdering Henry Higgins and she's like, I'm gonna get mine, bitch. Uh, she's like, just you white <laughs> Henry Higgins. Um, but yeah. I definitely, I definitely felt like, um, yeah, that's a whole, that's a whole thought I've had about the book in general is despite the fact that it like, seems to take Eliza's side and say like she made the right choice it's mm-hmm. it still weirdly is like Henry's still painted as like this hero and she's still kind of painted as this like little brat who doesn't know what's good for her right this very grasping kind of character but like I don't know I think I uh okay um all right, I'm going to uh, do this like point and then we'll lead into the literature cuz I could go on about like why I love this fucking musical. But um but you know, we all love it. It's there. Um but um so uh I feel like Bernard uh, so Bernard Shaw's other stuff he's done uh Pygmalion uh is one of his like his opus, like his more famous work. Um but he also, he's also done this one called St. Joan uh about Joan of Arc. Uh and it's very like it is centered on her when she has been forsaken uh, and she's about to be, uh, like, uh, executed. And she's, like, railing against God and, like, the people that, like, had relied on her and put her up on this pedestal. And she's, you know, like, it's very... It, it, he's able to express uh, feminine frustration very mm-hmm. well and mm-hmm. uh but i don't know if he fully like fully grasps like where it's coming from and I, I like i think he just sees it as this very like volatile interestingly eruptive thing um to write and he knows the source like he knows it's women but i don't know if he fully uh gets why or uh that it is a problem that this exists like maybe for him it's more inherent but i still appreciated that well i think he i think he understands um because i mean this was like literally during first wave feminism you know now we we can kind of 
we can kind of joke about living in like a postmodern feminist time, you know, <laughs> third, fourth wave. But yeah, um, yeah, this yeah. was like, this was like early, early stuff here. Yeah. So yeah. I think like he understood where feminine rage was coming from, but mm-hmm. I don't think he understood that it, a lot of it was tied to the patriarchy. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was just more like these are inherent feelings. Uh, like these are things that just that women exist in this place. Um, and <laughs> this is why they're mad. Or well, no. He kind of does though. Cause he does like rightly have the character, like, fr- like she, he, he has her frustrated with the right character, but again, you know, he's still, um, Oh, anyway, I, no, I listen to yeah. like the, there's notes, there's notes I listen to afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I listened to the whole thing on audible, which is like a very weird way to listen to a stage play. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's all these notes afterwards and written by Shaw and one of them, just the way he kind of talks about their relationship. It's like, he's, he's still trying to justify Henry's point of view. He talks about how like, you know, a learned man brought up in this, you know, this kind of world, of course he would prefer his mother to younger women. And, and of course other people would see that as, as unnatural. And I'm like, dude, you're projecting, though, like, uh, hard right now. Yeah. I also feel like that's kind of like, oh, I, uh, the modern, like, I like smart girls. Smart girls are sexy. Not, not like... Well, yeah, I mean, okay, so... so uh, my big my big takeaway from the stage play is Henry Higgins is uh, an, a basement dweller. <laughs> kind of guy um i do love that they rip on him so hard they're like yeah everyone does rip on him <laughs> maybe he's just asexual uh but he's he's yeah. such an asshole that it makes it hard to have any sympathy for him yeah and he's an asshole to everyone and that's his big point to eliza at the end is he's like yeah that's your you know, way if I've but treated you if i've treated you unjustly like that's how i treat everyone and it's like god uh you are just yeah a real piece of work henry higgins and you the- really are like yeah. Actually, getting yeah, Eliza is a total brat, mm-hmm. and he's a total asshole. And watching their back and forth is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Could you call this enemies to lovers? <laughs> 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 anyway, so except they, except they never really become lovers. No, which I'm absolutely good with in this story. Yeah, me too. Uh, me too. Me like, too. Okay. Um, my shipping brain was not triggered in this instance. Uh, you know, really you know how often my you know how often my shipping brain is. My shipping sensors are very, very sensitive, mm-hmm. and not once I was. I don't want to say I was an auntie, but I was like, please don't go there. And like, okay, them finding companionship, her finding like a stable male figure in her life, cool, whatever. Uh, like, I, uh, fucking, fucking, the impetus they put on her dad is just. Uh, her dad was my favorite character, God hands down. Damn it. Her dad is so good. I love his rant about morality, middle class morality. Some of his, like, like, so, like, that's the other aspect. I feel like there's like, two main themes of the play Mm -hmm. and the first theme of course is like this kind of you know male female energy young old energy uh but like the the theme i was more interested by is like the themes of like classism Mm -hmm. middle class morality um deserving versus undeserving poor oh yeah like i love uh her dad has this line where he's like he's like uh 
my mind is untouched by education. I can come and go as I please, totally chaotic or something to that effect. And yeah. I'm just like, yes, fucking get it. <laughs> Mr. Doolittle. <laughs> and then in the end, I love it. But that was not. So it's like, so it's like, like this whole idea is like, yeah, Henry like shapes her, considers her his masterpiece. And mm-hmm. yet we'll take no responsibility for her. Yeah. And yet her father, who is sort of a deplorable person who sold her for, you know, five pounds. Uh, he actually, once he comes into means, feels the responsibility to keep to keep making money and to do right by his family because now he does have the means to do so, even though he hates it and he feels like he's lost his freedom and been made into a version of himself that he would otherwise not be, much like Liza. Right. Like, despite that, he still makes a point to live up to his responsibilities, which Henry won't do. So in a weird way, her dad also has this entire like side arc of growing into a, a better person throughout the story. Oh, and he's so begrudging about it too. He's yeah, just like, he look what so you did to me. You did this to me. Uh, but yeah. And like, I mean, he still doesn't want her either. And like this poor woman, like is being rejected right. left and right uh, for no reason, like for no reason. And um, no reason. Then like, she happens to be a poor woman in a class of society. Right. And in fact, my favorite, favorite line, hands down. Mm-hmm. And I've heard other like commenters say this um, in other, in other like media yeah. is when she's talking to the Colonel Mm-hmm. And she says, you know, it was really how you treated me that really made me start to change. And she goes, you know, the difference between a flower girl and a duchess is not how she talks or what she wears. It's how people treat her. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and I thought that was like, like, wow, Shaw, like, fucking get it. That's that is a really, really good. I mean, that's yeah, because still so true to to many people's experience. Mm-hmm. Um, especially marginalized people. Right. Yeah. Just like being treated like a human being is the difference, honestly. The bare minimum, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, and like, you know, you get Higgins who uh, treats her like like a mate. I don't know, like a mate. He can't uh, treat anyone with, he can't treat no. anyone with kindness. And even, not even pickering. It's, but it's especially, uh, it's especially egregious because he does care about her and he still refuses to give even an inch of, of, of anything and that's why she does make the right choice to leave him and why the story justifies that and i think that's mm. kind of cool yeah like uh the first the first line in the linear notes is something to the effect of like you know it's rather strange to describe the story as a romance yeah yeah <laughs> and i was like yeah it is it absolutely is don't describe it like that because that's not what it is uh, um henry uh, uh, random note uh henry's mom yeah. uh also up there as favorite character. Yeah, she was the only sensible She's, fucking per and she was the only one nice to her. Like if you think about it. Like besides Pickering, obviously, but like Pickering got caught up in Higgins's game where his mom was just like, "No, I'm yeah, she's staying with me." And yeah, if you can be nice, I'll let you talk I to think her. Mrs. Pierce is pretty nice to her, but Hig- yeah. like uh Higgins has power over her, so Yeah, yeah. and there's she's, only so much she can do. And we never see like like Eliza makes like allusion to the fact that uh, her and Pierce like have conversations. And Pierce is like, "Fucking leave his ass, girl!" I swear <laughs> to God. Um, but we never see that on screen or like in no. you know in text. 
You don't see it in the movie uh, either. Told but, about it. Yeah, you don't see it in the movie either. Like the the kind. So we can assume she was pretty nice, but like there wasn't much she could do. I'm sure there's a fan fiction out there, um, or there should be. Uh, from uh, yeah, from Pierce's perspective, but um, yeah, what was I gonna say? The, I'd be like Wuthering Heights, how it like goes to like the. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Oh man. Okay. On a personal note, how have you read Wuthering Heights, but you haven't read I Pride and Prejudice? I haven't. I've read, okay, I've read okay. Kate Beacon Park of Vegas. Oh is, yeah, okay, yeah. okay. That makes she sense. has an entire like I don't know four part series about weathering <laughs> right? Uh, okay, yeah. So anyway, Higgins like okay, Higgins his transformation is also fucking interesting to me because it's like he is this like very self important, self sufficient, uh, mama's loving uh, intellectual that has decided that he is above relation and everything else. And then, uh, you know, he takes in this person that he thinks he can change, and he actually does see a change, so he becomes invested in this person. Like, you know, uh, sunken cost of time and uh, his expertise and, like, the fact that she's kind, you know, on the whole, uh, and she's receptive uh, is... But she's also competent. Yeah, she's kind. Con- and, like, yeah, he's mentioned that before. And it's, like, and so he becomes invested and he becomes used to her. And he's not used to having people that, like, are around that he doesn't technically employ. And so, or his mom, uh, you know, like, obligated to be within his presence. And, like, she... Well, more than one, more than one character bring that up. Like, yeah. Mrs. Pierce brings it up at the beginning of the agreement where she's like, what will she do? What is she to be? What is, is her place? Employed and yeah, and he and he just kind of hand waves it away, and then his mom brings it up again later. She's yeah. like, "Well, so she lives with you guys. Like, what is what's her place in the house?" And they're like, "We well, you know she just." She's just there. It's fine. Whatever. It's fine, like, don't worry about it. I know. And her, his mom is like roast him. She's like, yeah, you're two fucking boys with a doll. Like, what are you doing? And um, I know. God. Oh, I love God. his, I love his mom. Higgins. I love Mrs. Higgins. But, uh, but yeah, but then like by the end when uh, she like Eliza gets sick as shit, like uh, she throws a slipper, she throws a fit and he's saying all this very dismissive stuff about like, why are you raising such a fuss? Just go back to bed. Like what you ungrateful thing. And then, uh, she's like, you know what? Did, are, are these my clothes, by the way? Or are you going to accuse me of stealing later? And he's like, oh, you've hurt me. <laughs> How could you? You know? It's like, and you, then she throws the ring in the fire. Oh, that's... Mm. Oh, that was tasty. He's like, how dare mm-hmm. you? And it's... Uh, but, like, he notices... He's starting to notice that things hurt. Uh, and, uh, and then, like, she disappears and he runs frantically to his mom's house and he's like, I gotta use the phone and call the police. And she's like, what do you mean? She's not umbrella you lost she's not a thief what are you what are you doing you have no claim to her and then her dad shows up and he's got money and he's like i paid five pounds for her god damn it you're not taking her and then and it's just like like, it's like do you listen to yourself like (laughs) you care you care and then you know he has that realization at the end he's like i've grown accustomed to your face um and so it's I don't know. So the I feel like the original story is based. Uh, it it is. It's not my feeling. Uh, it's based on the Greek myth, <laughs> Pygmalion, uh, where the sculptor uh, creates like this golem of a woman uh, with the power of the gods, and um, and you know because she becomes her own person, and then uh, and so for this it's it's the same. But the transformation is also uh, similar. Like they both go through a thing, and it's. It's very cute. I'm just like, oh, okay. It it's cool that like, in a very direct way, Eliza becomes this 
she becomes herself. Like I don't know. I kind of wish well, that she shapes. She shapes her own destiny. You yeah, know? absolutely. She, she chooses to go to him, and she chooses to try to better herself. Unfortunately, it doesn't work out the way she planned. And maybe if Henry was a kinder person, mm-hmm. it would have worked out better. Not even in regards to them getting married or getting together, but maybe if he had thought about her future at all, you know, he would have like, yeah. Yeah, you know, been been a kinder person, but he didn't care about that, and so you know, she feels left with only so many options. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's a strangely uh, it's a strangely kind of like just dark ending all around, in that like you know uh, things aren't things are neatly wrapped up so far as like the story ends go, but they're not necessarily happily wrapped up. But it is really realistic for the time period. Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, I do like except that the male except, like the I think to me the weirdest part is like it's a story written in 1912 where like the male lead doesn't get rewarded with, uh, the woman at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I kind of think that came later a lot of the time. Like, I don't know. There, you know, uh, thirties, oh, yeah, there's a couple different endings. Yeah. The one I listened to is the one where he's like, go buy me a tie. And she's like, fuck you buy it yourself. <laughs> and then she hangs out with him. And it's like, no. And then she just like leaves and his mom's oh. like, and his mom's like, maybe you should go buy that tie. And he's like, nah, she'll do it. And he like laughs to himself. And that's like the end of the play. Okay. I haven't heard, I haven't heard that version, but that's, that's fucking funny. Um, I, I, okay. Like, contentious relationships are hilarious to watch like they're just super entertaining uh but i feel like if i were in one i would not no no i don't think i would be a fan of that um it's just oh yeah i mean not that i haven't had this this argument on tumblr eight million times but uh what we enjoy in fiction does not condone that behavior in real life no absolutely not y'all um but um this has uh, been a psa yeah yeah but like uh, so like stories and story elements and tropes they're all just like humans projecting and you know putting examples and hypotheticals together on situations uh to learn and feel something yes so like uh art imitating life life imitating art uh so when you uh, put forward a lot of these like more problematic or uh contentious uh habits relationships dynamics you're like oh this is fun. This is entertaining. This is a thing that could exist. So, uh, and if I like it like this, of course I should bring it into real life because it stems from real life. Right. Um, so no, no honeys. Um, Well, I think it's more, I think I read a really interesting essay one time that made a point of saying like, basically when we experience quote unquote problematic things in fiction mm-hmm. it is a way of helping us exert power over those things mm-hmm. yeah. because much like when you have a scary dream it can't actually hurt you it's right. like the brain and the emotions way of like priming ourselves right um and that's all i can say on that yeah but regardless it was a entertaining story um it was one of the few times where i see two characters bickering that i did not i did not want to i did not want to see that go <laughs> anywhere romantic way was it the anywhere age? romantic was it, I, it wasn't even it what? wasn't even the age difference yeah. i could have dealt with that like growing up adult consenting adults whatever yeah but uh it, it really was just that um henry never has like a, a like cathartic moment where he's actually sincerely kind yeah and i that, yeah. that's like 
Yeah. All, like, you know, you can be the darkest, broodingest boy in the world, but, like, you got to be, like, a little soft sunshine for for your special person. Right. I can't, get, I can't get down with that. Yeah, like, he's only barely learning compassion. So, like, maybe years down the road, if there was a sequel where, like, you know, she, she berated him into feeling something and being nice to her, I, like, even then, I don't know if I would like that either. Um, so... It's also like the power dynamics are too yeah, sketch. Yeah, yeah, a little um, bit. But I still like the story. Yeah, I like the story. I like the elements of classism. I, I like uh, I like the early uh, feminist anger. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think Shaw did a, a pretty darn good job of it. Other than just uh, oh man, I do have to say yeah. the audible <laughs> the audible free version. Yeah, <laughs> whenever the actress has to do like a really. Um, I don't know, like Eliza freaking out moment. She mm-hmm. always does this crazy, like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, like every time I was like, oh Lord, oh man. Gone. <laughs> but yeah, just, I'm listening to a different version and like, <laughs> it, it, like there's, uh, I think it's actually a recorded stage play because like uh, you get, uh, there's a male voice and there's a female voice and like they're all separate actors and, um, the Eliza, the Eliza voice in the beginning is fucking hysterical. Like, and honestly reading it phonetically, like, cause I was reading it as I was listening to it, uh, just to get a feel for it. And I was like, Oh, I can't even like, I have to literally sound this out to be able to understand what, what her lines are. Um, but, <laughs> but anyway, uh, but yeah. Um, okay. Well, uh, I think, I think that's where we're at right now. Like I dug, I, I, I love the musical. I love Audrey Hepburn. I love Rex Harrison. It's great. It's, uh, got more to it. It's a classic, um, Pygmalion itself. I don't, I guess I have a question for you. What? Are you, do you love musicals? Oh, I fucking love musicals, dude. Like I, I, I don't, I didn't know if I knew that. About, uh, I, I kind of felt it in my bones. In your bones. Yeah. I mean, with everything else I like, it just lines up. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I super dig musicals. There's this, what, you know what? For another time. Uh, so, <laughs> um, yeah. And then Ash, how did you feel about Pygmalion? You dug it. You like, yeah, you like I, all the I things. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Uh, I'm not as big on musicals nor on stage plays in general i'm not oh. a big theater person oh. unfortunately um that surprises me it's a, it's a weak me, spot you give me theater kid energy i'm not gonna lie um i but. do have big theater kid energy because <laughs> i just I ran around with them oh, that, that's um fair. i was a band kid uh, but, uh okay anyway. adjacent yeah <laughs> uh Let's see. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it, but I did have to laugh because when I first thought of adaptations of it, my first thought was um, She's All That <laughs> from actually, like 1997. Ooh, actually, that would have been a very good one. Uh, honestly, although, no, it actually like any, is. Any movie, any movie with a makeover scene really, like, oh, you can't help it. Fuck, I just realized that that is actually Pygmalion. What, mm-hmm. the, what the shit? Yeah, uh, it came out of that weird, it came out of that weird <laughs> 90s trend of doing like, Shakespeare and like old plays as like modern teenage comedies. 
yeah. all the like 10 things I hate about you. Oh yeah. And then the one about midsummer, I can't remember. It had Kirsten Dunst. I don't remember, but uh, oh God, I forgot that even existed. Yeah, we should do, we should do an episode. Uh, anyway. Okay. All right. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. I, think all right. I think we've exhausted our pig We're million. wrapping that up. Okay. All right. Uh, okay. Everybody. Thank you for tuning in today. Uh, we'll hit you up next week. Uh, we love you all. Uh, and yeah. Adios. God. Bye. <laughs>